1: Hello everyone, welcome to the Cast. I'm Joel Abraham. Uh joined by my wife in the room making as much noise as she possibly can. And Damon McDonald. Uh right, Damon, it has been an extremely turbulent week in the US and it is something that we both feel that we can't hand wave, because I imagine it's on your doorstep. I mean I haven't really spoken to you in depth about it and you should talk about it. But like you, I'm a little bit nervous about doing so because I've been told that, uh, you know, talking about things like religion and politics will automatically halve your audience. And I've got in trouble with that before for getting political. People say, "Oh, the show never got political when Colin was there. So I I choose my words very carefully uh, when I say Black Lives Matter, fuck Donald Trump, fuck the police. All coppers are bastards. Uh, am I right, Damon? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, and I and
0: I'm um the people who say it's just to stick to the wrestling, you're going to be sadly disappointed. And, and and I don't I don't know how you can um at this point. Like I don't know how you can stand that ground. Um there's nothing to talk about. Um, so we're going to talk about this at least for a little bit. Because it is. Um as Joel mentioned, it's right on our doorstep. Um, finally. <laughs> I guess. Finally. It's right on our doorstep. Uh yeah, so again for the people who know, I'm I'm right outside Philadelphia. So um and Philadelphia's had a had a rough go at it. Um a very rough go at it. And it's weird in the sense that um if you talk to anybody, you know, it's 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 eye opening, it's scary, it's uh exposing, it's uh hits a lot of raw nerves and it's um well overdue. See I'm, I'm, I'll get a little deeper into it, at least for me in the in the five days that I've had. But um, yeah, I I, I I can't agree more with Joel. Black Lives Matter, man. And and if you can't say that, and if you can't know what that means, and if you can't passionately agree with that, then you 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 have to do some soul searching within yourself to 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 be on that you want to be on that board. you know you want to be on that train you want to be yeah. on that side
1: right randy orton gets it now if randy orton gets it and you don't then that's a problem yeah i mean pat
0: Robertson. i saw last night pat robertson i mean we're talking old school <laughs> You know, televangelist. And so you can imagine where his headspace has been in the past. He's even uh, – what, what did he say? It's not cool <laughs> uh, talking about our, and I put in quotes, leader. Um, Joe, it's weird because I never really talked to you about how you – like your upbringing – and how you have experienced any of, of 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 this growing up in London, um, and and like like how different it might have been you growing up as a as a twenty year old and and as an eighteen year old, and me growing up as a twenty year old and an eighteen year old, and and even before then, um, and you and and I say that only just because I look back in in my life, and I just – you just noticed things that just aren't fundamentally right um, that should be exposed. And I guess that's the – like on a personal level, that, that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes when you have to look in the mirror and say, um, yeah, you're – not only are you not doing anything, but you're probably part of the problem not doing anything. You are part of the problem not doing anything. Um, wh- what was it like for you growing up? in, in like, You grew up in London. It was, was, it a, was it an issue with you and your generation? Because um, it feels like it wasn't as bad as it was with mine.
1: What do you mean with like, racial tension? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I was lucky enough to grow up in a, a multicultural environment. You know, a city like London, really cosmopolitan. Um, and, I mean, I actually went to a Jewish primary school where all the kids there were you know, white, middle-class Jewish kids. Um, so no diversity there at all. But when, I, when it came to choosing a secondary school, I chose to go to a secular school where it was more diverse. You know, that was just a, a personal choice because I... You know, whilst I, I, I'm I'm a secular Jew, like I enjoy celebrating the cultural aspects of it. You know, the, the the special festivals, the songs, the foods, things like that. I think that kind of stuff is important, but that that's it. That's where I draw the line on it. Um, so I made the choice that I wanted to go to a, a secular secondary school, and uh, so yeah, from from that point going forward, it was it's not really something that I've been confronted with. I mean, there are isolated instances of it. Sorry, Mally, could you take her outside, please? Sweetheart. Thank you, darling. Shut up. <laughs> so, uh, there have been incidents, you know, you, you see it at uh, like football matches sometimes where I've been at Arsenal matches and I've heard fellow Arsenal fans singing and chanting really disgusting things like uh, racist things, anti Semitic things. Um, that's been my, my only real interaction with it because. I think, by and large, London is yeah one one of the better places in terms of ethnic diversity. But I just think, like you said, we've reached a point where it's not enough to just you know tweet out hashtags or pictures of a black screen things like that. You, it, it's come to the point where we have a moral duty to confront this stuff. When we're faced with it, you know, even just come when it comes down to things like you know, people in close friends or family, when they start, and I've experienced that, you know, my my mum or missus might say ignorant stuff, and you, you got to tackle that head on, you know, you don't just laugh it off and they are, oh, you know, or oh, different generation, blah blah blah. You have to question that and say, w- Why did you say that? What does that mean? Is that, you know, that's not accurate, man, right. and have those discussions with people because if you just let it go then you know what what does it mean if I'm sitting on the other side of the world sending out an Instagram picture of a a black screen you know who is that helping it's not doing anything so I think like you say it's at the point where it these you know racial uh, bigotry and intolerance needs to be tackled head-on in in an active way because everything that's come up to this point is obviously not working right um
0: just the opposite for me, Joel. So when I was very, very young, I lived in what is now known as, as Camden, New Jersey. Um, and for those of you who don't know, at one point in the very r- relatively near fu- uh, near past, recent past, was um, one of the most dangerous cities in the United States. And we lived in a little section. This is – now, keep in mind. This is 1970. 1970- Nine ish had to be seventy nine. Um, we moved because uh, my family, and this was a section of Camden that was known as, as White Camden. Um, there it was like five seven streets, a pocket of uh, area, um, where there were no there were, weren't any black people. It was none. Um, and and I, was, I was maybe just starting school, but I remember moving and I remember a conversation where it was because my sister w- was going to have to go to uh, Camden High School. Um, and we couldn't afford Camden Catholic High School. We couldn't pay to go to, for her to go to school, so they decided to move. And where we moved to was a town called Gloucester City. Um, And in the 80s and the 90s, and just for verification purposes, fellow New Jersey and Joe Lanza, I'm sure would uh, agree that in the 80s and the 90s, Gloucester City was the probably the most notoriously racist town in all of New Jersey. Um, To the tune of we had no black families in our town. Uh, we had no Hispanic families in our town. We had one, one Asian family, the Engs, that everybody knew because they were the only Asian, Asian family in the, the entire town. Um, we had no black kids in our school. None. From 7th from grade to 12th grade, we had none. Um, I have friends that had never – seen a, a, in person, a, a a black person until they were like in fourth or fifth grade. I guess when do you start like, like kids football leagues, you know, um, like, you know, well, TV, sure. Not in the flesh. Um, in school, like I, I remember listening to something this week, and it was uh, kind of just shocked me back into like, whoa, well, oh my god, I, 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 that is true." I remember that in in my area, in school, in school, Joel, you you might be our listeners might be a little shocked at how I learned "Eeny, meeny, miny, mo." Ah. Uh, <laughs> And that was taught in school. Uh, so it was embedded in everything that, that was done. Now, I was a weirdo. Right? I was Mr. New Wave guy and sort of punk rock guy. And you would dip your toes into the, like, the Philly hardcore scene. And you would go to shows. And that was like my first exposure to that being wrong, and that being just a, 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 a terrible way to go about your life. And and the reason why is because we would have skinheads at these punk shows, and kids would be like, "Well, you, you know, th- those are the skinheads, and they're they're they're, they're shit bags and." And here's why, because of the beliefs that they have. And I couldn't really like, – it just didn't make any sense because you would read about, like, things like people um, being skinheads and stuff like that. But you just didn't really think it was real. It was real. So with that being said um, – you if somebody were if I had, you know, a friend or if I had a a a, a situation where, you know, it was a racial confrontation, of course, I i I've, I, I felt like I felt like I've fought on the side of good. And I felt like I felt like I've fought on the side of protecting those people that were subject to this. Racism. And as I got older, it felt like uh, Damon did his part. And 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 how can Damon be called a racist because he's. You know, he did all he did that, at least. Right. And at the very least, you know, if somebody even did it today, you know, would he stand up and would I stand up? Yes, of course, you know, if at a restaurant, people started, of course I would. But have I, have I really done anything? Like staying away and staying silent and living your life as I thought was a good idea for a guy like me isn't really It's the bare minimum, <laughs> right? It's the it's the bare fucking minimum, and and that help. This week has helped kind of open my eyes to that. That not speaking out more frequently, not being more passionate, not being more understanding, not being more there and present in in. Those struggles, and instead saying, "Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit this one out, kids," because you know, uh, I don't really think you need me. is wrong. Um, and and you, you know, in five days, do you look back on a lot of the things in your life, and a lot of the institutions in your life, and a lot of the things that that are anchors in in a white guy's life, and think? That's probably wrong. That's, that's probably not the right thing when you're talking about the, the, collective, the collective body of everyone. Um, America is weird in the sense that we love to talk about our liberties and our freedoms. And change is, 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 is a slow-moving thing. Change is a slow-moving thing. And I'm amazed at what the youth of today – uh, and I'm proud of the youth of today, in the sense of they don't put up with that bullshit. And there were there were things that, that in the 80s and the 90s that we didn't put up with either. There were slow things, but certainly not to this degree. They don't put up with this bullshit. And I'm I'm a little disappointed in my Gen Xers, in the sense of. We did stuff, we did stuff, but not enough, not enough. And again, change comes slowly, but not enough. Um, so, yeah, that's, it, I, so I'm speaking, I, I guess I am, I am speaking to the white guys that listen to this show and I'm saying that it's time to kind of do more, not kind of do more. It's time to do more. Um, doing nothing is not an excuse. And this is coming from a guy who he, he, you know <laughs> you know, he spends days and sometimes weeks trying to figure out how to turn off the lights for himself and if i'm willing to carry the fucking sandbag i need you guys to too um so with that being said um it's been a, a, a bit of an uncomfortable week which is which is good because p- diamonds come from pressure right diamonds come from pressure so while the looting was scary, and the uh, the anger scary, and the um, the sense of confusion is scary. Um, know that that is a part of you growing as a person. To do what you can. To stop the madness and the horror and the uh, the injustices that a black person experiences on the daily that you don't and you never have and. You never will, hopefully. So sorry that this went where it went, but not sorry that it went where it went. Um, because for us, as the New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast leader, <laughs> it would be very uh, – it would be shit. Let's put it that way. For us to just push this under the carpet and speculate about a New Japan Pro Wrestling return, if, if that bothers you, there's the delete button. There's the unfollow button. It's right over there on your phone.
1: I don't That's get it, shit. isn't it, Damon? You know, it's come to the point where you, we have the responsibility to draw that line in the sand. You know, who the fuck are we? We're no one in the grand scheme of things. But to say that. You know, it's not okay to have those bigoted opinions. And quite frankly speaking, if you are one of those people and you're getting annoyed by what we're saying, yeah, unsubscribe. Don't listen to us anymore. Yeah. We'll be don't better care. off. <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> be. No, I'll be happy. I would be. I would be happy to have half the number of uh, Twitter followers and subscribers, listeners, whatever. Um If if it means we can get rid of those sorts of people, yeah. I, I I hate to say it. I I, no, I don't hate to say it.
0: Like that's the thing. I don't hate to say it. It's 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 the truth. So that was that was the past couple days. That was that was that's that's the past five days. And so along with that is there's conversations in the house. Um. I I I can't march. Um. Not in the sense that I can't physically get up and go. Of course I can. The challenge becomes, Joel, is that um, Cheryl takes care of her father, who's in in not the best of health. Um, and, and I can't risk because we still are in a pandemic. <laughs> um, I can't risk get, getting sick and I can't risk her getting sick and I can't risk. Him getting sick and and her family getting sick, so that's been a, that's been something that we've kind of struggled with a little bit. Um, can we donate? We can, and we have. Um, can you? I mean, I can you share things online? Links to where you can um, donate. Um, we can do that. Um, I think everybody can do that. Can you, uh, turn off your ad blocker, you know, and and visit sites that need ad revenue, uh, click a link or two, you can do that. But over and above that, you can, you can look at this situation, open your mind and, um, Check yourself. Look at, look at yourself in the mirror. Right? That's that's a hard thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do. Let me let me be very frank. Uh, let me be very very clear. You have to do it. You have to do it. Um. So. Yeah, and I, I know it's weird that <laughs> you know a middle aged white guy is telling you to do it but a middle-aged white guy is telling you to do it. Um, Do it.
1: Well, it feels very trite to try and segue that into talking about wrestling again, but we live in strange times. You know, we've had some really heavy topics we've had to deal with over the last few weeks, starting off the show with them and, yeah, I I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror if we just ignored this stuff. So, even though we are a, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, yeah, you know, I, I think these things need to be spoken about.
0: Yep, yep, I agree, and and I'm proud of you um, because from the jump, you've been absolutely more vocal in 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 this. Um, from, from day one, from day one. Um, so yeah, look, uh, I think, uh, you know, you've, you, you, I'm, I'm, I'm at a, I, I'm at a loss for words now because, I feel like I've said the things that I needed to say, but yet I'm still flabbergasted at the, at the fact that – I don't know if you saw an image of – there's been many images this week, um, and I know I know I want to transition into pro wrestling. The protesters, um, we, have a, we have a highway, 676. And I've been on it many, many times. I don't know if you saw from Philly where they were protesting down 676 highway. Uh, looked to be pretty peaceful. Police chucking tear gas in a, in a crowd. Kids, you know, doing the right thing. Yeah, they are running up a hill to get up the street and there's a gigantic fence there. And uh, it's not like they can hop over this fence. Cops are lobbing tear gas into the crowd. They aren't doing anything. They're, they're trying to get out is what they're trying to do. And they're just constantly lobbing tear gas. And it was just one of those what what the
1: fuck is what? what? Um, yeah, and, and, and that's you know the one of hundreds of videos and images I've seen to that extent. You know, I've just sat like transfixed to my tw- Twitter timeline, just scrolling and just video after video after video of the same thing. Yeah, you know, like tear gas being thrown into people's cars people being maced in the face with pepper spray for no reason Uh, tear gas grenades being thrown into people's homes and you, you just think you're trying to make sense of it what is what is the purpose of this other than just cruelty and sadism and that's that's the only conclusion i can come to that that is the point the cruelty is the point which seems to be uh the you know the key theme of the trump administration it, the power
0: is the point it feels like it's 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 the power it, it's about losing power <laughs> it really is it it it's it's about giving up more of what you have and 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 people holding on to that as tightly as they possibly can. By any means necessary um, those are the things that are, that 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 are just what are we doing right how is how is this acceptable how how is this okay and listen I'm I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I'm I'm cheering looting because I'm not But I will tell you this, that it's easier for me, and I'm going to underline the word easier for me to understand and feel that, oh, looting's wrong, you're stealing, great, as opposed to the struggles that a black man has in the United States, right? It's easier for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, those things can, things can be fixed. Things can be replaced. You can get money back, but lives can't be replaced. Right. So to me, you can't compare those two things. It's false equivalency.
0: Right. But you know the your initial, well, what the fuck? What What the fuck is going on? Reaction, right? That's easy to stick with you. It's easy to stick with you. It's easy to see that and just be fixated on that and be like well that's wrong this whole thing's wrong (laughs) they should shut it down they should uh, where's the it's easy to do that i'm not saying it's not gotta
1: look deeper gotta look deep and what's the alternative because all the peaceful methods of protest achieve nothing
0: Right, not for nothing. But you bitched and moaned when a guy wanted to take a fucking knee during the national anthem. Four years ago. The guy got blackballed from the fucking league. Thirty something teams could've picked this guy up. Nobody wants to touch him. Bad egg. Over a fucking kneel. Oh, every fucking... Oh, my God, every game. (laughs) You can't fucking handle a a quarterback kneeling. (sighs) So here we are. (laughs) And I get it, man. Like, how many times can you say... To a person, uh, we'll, we'll, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about it. And they get pushed aside. Let's have a conversation. And they get pushed aside. Right? Think about it. Let's have a, let's have, well, well, we'll talk about that. And, and, and maybe, I mean, I'm picking on the fucking NFL. But the NFL has a month for every goddamn fucking thing under the sun. Where's the worst, where's, you know, yeah. they don't talk about racism in sports.
1: They don't. Not in the United States, they do.
0: What do you. What? At a certain point, you got to look at it and be like, well, what the fuck did you expect?
1: Again. And there's the historic precedence as well. I mean. <laughs> there were massive riots after the Martin Luther King Jr. assassination, the, the, you know, the Holy Week uprising, which caused, you know, tremendous amount of damage, but then, uh, shit happened after that. You know, things got done. There was the, a a big legislative response to it. wasn't there. And, um, I can't think off the top of my head what it was, but, uh, yeah, you know, laws were passed to, Improved the, the the state of things, weren't they? Um, the the yeah. uh, Fair Housing Act. After yeah. that, yeah. So but even the, all you know, people saying that oh, you know, the the is not going to achieve anything. Well, history suggests that you're wrong.
0: Right. Uh, and and, and uh, you know the look, it's we've we've gone through a long stretch where this has just been put under the rug, and people have just gone quote. Gone about their lives. Gone about their lives. And, and understand that – and, and again, I'm not sitting here talking like I'm fucking an expert because trust me, these are new feelings and new thoughts and new – you know, you get – when somebody points out something to you about yourself that's not pleasant – the first instant reaction is, of course, denial. And you put your fists in the air and you, you're you not going to take that. Because I did it. Because I did it. I didn't do enough. I didn't. I didn't. And I'm telling you right now, you didn't either. Because we wouldn't be in the fucking place where we are right now. If we did. And this is not... And, and, oh Don't give me this white guilt shit. Because I'll jump across this microphone and I... <laughs> don't give me that. Look at it like a logical human being. A logical human being. That's all I'm asking. And you're going to find, you're going to find, you're going to find some ugliness in there. You didn't do enough. I didn't do enough. So the good news is, (laughs) is that you could change. And, And no one's expecting an overnight, you know, uh, Reconditioning. But you can, you can look in the mirror and be honest with yourself and
1: uh, and help. All right. Yeah, that's it. You know, I, I'm all in yeah. favor of uh, reflection and growth and rehabilitation, the ability to look at yourself You know, we've all done it to to look back at a thing we've done in the past and realise, you know what, that was wrong with me. I shouldn't have done that or that was a stupid thing to believe. But I have more information now and I've changed my mind. And I think being able to do that is really important. I think there's too much in society where, you know, it's like it's the instant cancellation which causes people to double down. You know, if there isn't that room for reflection and, and for growth, then... It's not going to happen, is it? You're going to get people doubling down on shit takes and uh, not growing as people. So, yeah, there's got to be that space in society to learn new things and new information to uh, reconsider, recalibrate where we are as a person. It is, and and I think that's that's a, that's
0: vitally important. But and, and I think the biggest challenge here, though, Joel, is the fact that again, I'm I don't. <laughs> I think the definition of what 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 is expected has has changed for a lot of white people, in the sense of I'm a good person, I, I, I pay my bills, I take care of my family, I um, I, I I'm not racist at all. I, I have black friends. You know the old. I have black friends. Uh, yeah. I, uh, not enough you know, anymore, I, is it? No, it's not. It really isn't. It isn't. That's what I'm saying. You
1: know, it's it's cliche, isn't it? I've seen something doing the rounds which says, and uh, which I agree with, it's not enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racism. Yes. Which means means you have to be actively tackling it.
0: Yes. 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 And uh, trust me, I always kind of thought that, do you really want me? (laughs) <laughs> what am I like, you know, I, like this is, you know, I don't think I really know all the issues and I really don't think I know all the, okay, it's, 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 it's my job to know the issues. I caused the issues. <laughs> you gotta know the issues. Gotta know the issues. You can't fucking hide in your house anymore. I can't hide in my house anymore. And trust me again. I'm not the best at this. Oh, <sighs> Alright. Alright. Joel? Is there anything going on in the summer in Osaka? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, okay. First thing I well, want, this is a bit of good news. You know, people in authority doing the right thing. So this is from Wrestling Observer Newsletter that uh, Bushiro cuts salaries of executives and no one loses jobs. So... On May 27th, due to the losses from the pandemic, Bushiroad announced that the directors of Bushiroad and their group companies would have pay cut from 15% to 95%, depending on the person, wow. for the first five-month period covering May through September, and then would return to the regular compensation. Every company in the group will have to cut expenses notice- noticeably in advertising, promotion, and through all facets. Employee salaries and bonuses will also be cut. New Japan Pro Wrestling will start running live events as soon as they're able to follow to allow fans to attend shows, if not do MD Arena shows. First, you can see the difference in mentalities in that the people at the top took cuts and some large cuts, but on the flip side, nobody in Bushy Road companies lost their jobs. So it should be noted that Road is a publicly traded company, so they have shareholders to ask to, yet they still made this decision. Gr-
0: great job. Uh, honestly, <sighs> out, out, great job. I, I can't, Thanks for that because there, there I, mean, I know there were a lot of people that that were sweating during the the pandemic. Again, we're still in that pandemic mood. Uh, that was that's that was nice to to hear. Um, you you are you know, the, the stress of of that weighing over your head. Uh, to know that you're taken care of by the company is is, is fantastic news, um, and that's look. I don't care who you are. When you hear oh, you're making less money, it's it's still impactful, and um, but it's that's that's a good thing that that they're able to do that. Um, look, we hear the we hear the 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 the, the words on the street. As we said, we haven't been on the street in a while. We've been social distancing, Joel. <laughs> we haven't we haven't spent much time on a on a street, have we? Um, I think this is going to be a good summer. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I don't know, Joel. I think
1: uh, you're wearing you been- detective hats on, Damon, right?
0: Yeah, let's so, put some detective
1: hats on. There, I saw uh, a story from E Fight on Twitter mm, saying okay. uh, Korakuen Hall will be closed until June fifteenth, but it seems the plan is to have uh, no people shows until July the ninth. So, it it appears that things are moving in the right direction. Now, I want to temper this with some stuff coming out of Tokyo that the the numbers of COVID nineteen cases are. Just slightly on the rise, and two Giants players tested positive today, which you know you might think doesn't bode well for sports there, but you know we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. So, with that huge caveat that you know this is entirely dependent on how the virus situation plays out in Japan, with what Harold may have said, and with what I've seen from this uh, e fight story, you know, let's try to speculate. And hypothesize and prognosticate on what this New Japan pro wrestling comeback might look like, all things being well. So, let, you know, let's, let's look at this as in terms of like, likely or unlikely. Do you think, Damon, that we are likely to see empty Arena shows in the month of June from you In Japan? the month of June?
0: Hmm. Let me check my notes. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, will we the, the question again, just to be clear, will we see New Japan shows, empty arena shows in the month of June? Hmm. I'm going to say well, I got a 50/50 shot being right, right? I'm going to say, "Empty arena shows, month of
1: June. Yes. How confident are you about that? If you had to add a percentage quotient to your prediction?
0: Well, it's hard to say for me because I have my mouth full of a pastrami sandwich. But <laughs> just trying to eat my delicious sandwich. Um, Listening to some suede as well, right? Uh, in the background, here. Yeah. One of my favorite bands, Joe. I don't know if you heard.
1: Um, pretty confident? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Pretty I, I, All right, let's try. So you're pretty confident we're going to get some End Arena shows. Yeah. What, so in June, what, what are we thinking? Mid-June? Mid to late June? That kind of mm. time period? You think that would be a sensible time to start? All things being Let well? me ask
0: you. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it back at you. Is the, would you say, A, before, let's do it over under. Do you think we'll see shows before the 14th of June or
1: after the 14th of June? I'm going to err on the side of caution and say after. I am pretty confident that we'll start seeing some shows after. And there's a conversation we had before and judging from what the e-fight thing said and what we know about the relationship between New Japan Pro Wrestling and the owners of Korakuen Hall, how confident are you that we will get some empty arena shows at Korakuen Hall Mm -hmm. from the latter half of this month? I know they have a great relationship, right? They're Um, the best
0: customers. Best customers, best customers. Uh, and I know that uh, with the amount of, of and the volume of business that they do, they are able to work, I don't want to say, better deals or uh, maybe have a little bit more uh, of an of a inroad. I, I'm, I don't know. But I know that, that there is a, an absolute relationship. That, that, that's number one. Number two – it's almost kind of like a home base, right? When don't you say that, Joel? when don't you say that New Japan Pro Wrestling at Cork and Hall is kind of like a um, a hub for New Japan Pro Wrestling? So the importance of a comeback, if there is one, uh, in June, late June, um, as, we're, as we're speculating, Um What's, I, I, I'm sorry, I got some pastrami. Hold on one second. Let me get this out of my mouth. Mm, that's peppery. Um, I would think Corkin would be on the docket, right? I, I, I think yeah. uh, it, you know safety precautions taken in place. Uh, I'm sure that's already being talked about, right? It, regardless, um, I think corrigan has got to be a, a venue that's penciled in. Don't you think?
1: Yes, I think given all the information that we know, we can fairly confidently speculate. predict yeah. and speculate that we might get a few MZ Arena Korakoin shows uh, towards you know, late June, early July, to possibly set up some stuff for the future. So, which brings me on to my next question, then, Damon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, we- George. Hey, hey, Cheryl, can you get me another pastrami sandwich, please? A little lighter on the mustard. Thanks, love. So, my next question then. With an eye towards that first show or shows back when you're allowing fans. Now, there was this Hokkaido tour, which was announced earlier on in the year. With everything that we know, do you think they run this Hokkaido tour? Bearing in mind that, you know, presumably you want to be making a, a big deal out of the fact that you're allowed fans back and two these are relatively unfamiliar venues when you have all those things that you know the restrictions and the procedures you need to put in place which absolutely fine with venues that are a known quantity to you but with all these new venues in hokkaido that you haven't run for ages do you think they take that risk and still run the hokkaido tour
0: hmm I mean, just looking at it outside the box, I would think that's that's probably a, a risky thing, don't you think?
1: Like of all... yeah, good. Yeah, good. I would say too big of a risk. Right, I would say just guessing. No Hokkaido tour for the reasons I've already stated. Yeah,
0: I mean that. that I think. That, You know, with the news that we got, with that, I love the usage of placards uh, and the graphic uh, of that you had tweeted out. These sports coming back and, and and the stages in which they come back and um, the percentages of people being allowed back into buildings. I think it just doesn't. I think it just doesn't mesh with with like a time frame of June, right? <laughs> I just think that hokkaido tour might be in jeopardy um if if i were in their shoes right if i were in their shoes i would say that might be a little bit might be a little bit uh in
1: jeopardy okay Damn. so then oh sorry we did you have more no no, to no, say? Go ahead.
0: no no just 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 agreeing with myself as i always like
1: to do <laughs> all right so then from july 10th onwards the information that we got from the Japanese government was we would be allowed to have fifty percent capacity up to five thousand fans. So right. from July tenth onwards, we can have less than five thousand fans in a venue. Now we are building up hypothetically to the first New Japan Pro Wrestling show where we're allowed fans, and we are allowed to have up to five thousand fans. I don't know about you, Damon, but if I were in Japan, I would definitely want to go to that comeback show. Virus yeah. be damned, you know. Well, I say that, but you know, we're assuming things are okay, under control by then. A lot of people who want to go to this show, so you want to, whilst being safe, also maximize the 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 fan of perspective. That yeah, yeah. You want to get as much as you can. So I'm thinking of it like this, right? So Dominion probably off the table, right? That, that's usually, what, early to mid-June? That, I don't think we're going to be seeing Dominion at Osaka Joe Hall in its usual right. date. Right. But I was thinking, okay, so you can... Ha- what, what venues can you have in the summer where you can have, safely, up to 5,000 fans with the distancing rules? And Osaka Joe Hall sprang to mind. Am I crazy in thinking that could be a good choice for that first show with fans. Hmm.
0: Right, you want to maximize that that percentage of fans that you can have, right? Um, you need a building of, of a decent size to do, to do that. I don't think you want to do uh, something ridiculous like anything, like Budokan or anything like that. Um... And I, and here's the thing, it's, it's, it's those type of buildings that have me a little bit
1: like... And you've been to, to, to Osaka Joe Hall, so... Right, um, the acoustics are great. I think, you know, even if you have fewer than 5,000 fans in there, the amount of noise they would generate, and I think people would be so excited about having the first show back that there will be enough noise and the acoustics of that building to, to make it look and sound really good.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's always a you know, we always talk about it, and it's, it's pretty common knowledge that that's a that's a crowd, that's a pro wrestling crowd. Um, so they're going to be <laughs> they're going to be raring to go. So even if they got what you know, okay, what are we saying? Like around three thousand, maybe close to four thirty, whatever. Split the difference. Um, they're going to be noisy as fuck, right? Uh not a bad idea.
1: Just, that's not a bad idea. Um, I'll tell you what gives me pause for thought, though. You know, usually, a uh, uh, new beginning of Joe Hall, what, 11,000, 12,000 sold out. Dominion has been selling out consistently for years now. Are you leaving money on the table by running Osakajo when you can only have less than, fewer than 5,000 fans in there? Now, with that in mind, Statement, looking at the lay of the land, we saw in January New Japan be very ambitious by running two back-to-back Wrestle Kingdom shows at the Tokyo Dome. Given mm. they know the demand is there in Osaka, that they can right. sell out a 12,000-seater right. consistently. I see where you're going with this. If you're thinking what I'm thinking, what what might be a smart business decision to solve the problem. you think they're going to double up? Do you think they would double up? I know it sounds crazy. It sounds absolutely mental. But the thought had occurred to me. Why not? If you can book the venue, if it's if it's right. a doable, you can do it safely, why not do back-to-back Osaka Joe? A I think that first show...
0: You already got the green light. You already got the venue. Wherever that may be. Going back to back is a really smart idea. That's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty fucking great idea, actually. Hmm. I mean, we have no way of knowing that
1: they haven't already thought of this, right? But yeah, I mean, they're keeping their cards very close to their chest, as you know, rightly so. But you know, I've right, right. been, to, been to that venue twice. I think it talk be to me about perfect. the venue, talk to me about the venue for a second. Is it's, it's it's it is a legitimate sports arena, right? Yes, it is, you know, for a, a building with a 12,000 seat of capacity, it's surprisingly intimate. And you've got excellent tiered seating, so there's not a bad view in the house. Wherever you're sitting, you get a great view. So you've got the that you know everything going in favour of you there. You've got a city which is gonna be absolutely desperate to see some wrestling. Osaka fans make a ton of noise. They are so noisy. Both the Dominion shows I went to have been incredibly loud. A venue that they are familiar with, that they run well now more than once a year. You can have Up to 5,000 fans. You can have them spaced out. Acoustics can be good. You get that intimate feel. Ticks all the boxes, doesn't it?
0: It really does, man. It really does. It really does. That's. I mean, that's solid. I know we're getting all hyped up here
1: you know what i mean i know i, mean, I know this uh, is all gonna be uh, off the table the next day <laughs> japanese guy right lockdown's back on no pro sports right. until right. 2021
0: <laughs> right i mean wait well what, what we have listen joe has a lot of free time on his hands let's let's be honest here right um so baby baby duties is his side. daddy duties aside. Joel's a, a pretty smart guy. He he could he, he, can, he can put two and two together. Uh, it does kind of correlate with some whispers, doesn't it? That we've been, that we let's let's be honest. We we can be honest with our with our listeners. We had a we had a heart to heart earlier, right? We had we had we had a heart to heart. does kind of line up with some of the whispers and some of the rumors that, that may have been bandied about. A- am I wrong, Joel?
1: Couldn't. You, in the immortal words of Francis Urquhart from the British version of House of Cars, which is much better than the American one, you might very well think that. I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs>
0: <sighs> ah, look I don't, want, I don't want to say it too loudly This might be a good summer This might be a
1: good summer About fucking time we had something to be happy about You know, We got <sighs> the Premier League coming back was, was it June 17th that's coming back? Yeah So wouldn't it be it. wonderful to have mid-June Premier League football's back Arsenal are back Regardless of how badly they do, <laughs> <Arsenal> are back. <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling back. That's the dream, isn't it? Then it, you'd really feel that we've turned the corner on this thing.
0: Can, can, can you throw in a little? Can you throw a little pucks? Can you throw in a little hockey in there? Then I'd be, a, I'd be really happy.
1: <laughs> China, open really? up the borders, let me go home. That'll be nice. Yeah, that would very nice. <laughs> too. Get, get the right. You know what, Damon? I, I, I applied for Esther's UK visa in March. They contacted me in April with payment issues because they took so long with it that the card details I gave them, that card expired. So that's given the new card details. They phoned me in April. Okay, yeah, new card number works. Yeah, t- took the money out. Didn't hear from them until yesterday. So yesterday, they're telling me I have to send them my mother's birth certificate because me being a British citizen with a British passport doesn't entitle Esther to get a British passport because she was bro- born abroad. Isn't that fucked up? that she doesn't get a british passport automatically when she's got a british dad it is it is pretty fucking i look
0: legalities and red tape and all hidden under the guise of safe like what, what it's a, a child it's a fucking baby <laughs> oh yeah i i (laughs) we don't
1: even want to go to the uk hate it there right 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 right,
0: right. it's not like this is like a vacation where yeah you don't even want to be there let's be honest um what a what a fucking what a fucking world what a fucking world but anyway yeah wouldn't that be nice we we can have a little we can have a little uh little pleasure when it comes to our New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, again, let's 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 hold out hope. Let's uh, let's. Uh, it makes sense what was laid out
1: um, by you, Joel Abraham. Uh, just just connecting the dots, David. Just doing a bit detective you're Just to, from information that's already out there. So you're a very smart guy. You have
0: a, a doctorate. Am I correct, Doctor Joel Abraham? Am I correct? <laughs> Am I correct? <laughs> correct.
1: yeah. No, no. I've not uh, thought. I'm a, uh, a master. Uh, oh,
0: master, master,
1: master, uh,
0: master. Can I, can I can I call you Master Joel Abraham? Can we introduce you? I'll well, tell you Joel? this
1: though. If my uh, or our wacky predictions come true about things to pass uh. over the next month or two, then mm-hmm. certainly can. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I want a thread.
0: I want a thread. On uh, all popular wrestling sites, pointing to Joel, Master Joel Abraham. That is how he will be addressed now and and forevermore. If, if this comes to pass, all right, we want some respect. We want some, we want a shop at the Eaton Center. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Let us in. Tell us why
1: let ah. us into osaka joe hall
0: <laughs> let us we in we want to see we wrestling want to, <laughs> we want to watch wrestling tell us why tell us why Ah, that, I what the earth guy's doing right now i wonder how he's making out get him on the show yeah i mean have him do a voiceover Have him do an intro for the show oh that ah. would be amazing wouldn't that be great i would love that it, if anybody can get a hold of that guy and we will have him do an intro for this show, my life would
1: feel like it has been completed. <laughs> yeah, <feel> like- <laughs> you had some really cool little bugs for the uh Newsman Purecast back in the day from Yeah, Thank yeah. The so we had
0: you- Yeah, we had we had uh, what, Kenny Omega, we had the Bucks, we had Tanahashi, we had uh we had quite a few. Um, yeah. Um Yeah, maybe we do that. Maybe we do some uh, some of that, and you know, when we get to see these guys again, (laughs) I don't. Some of them might not be able to do it. I heard some weird things about like guys doing shows and interviews. Like they have to be approved by the company. I don't know if that's true or not. Like if we wanted to reach out to, I don't know, pick a fucking guy, Um, Hinare, or if we had a reach we want to reach out to robbie eagles or whatever um it has they can't do a they can't do an interview unless it's approved by the company i heard that rumor i could be wrong but I, I was told that
1: um i i cannot possibly think of any reason why they would not approve the find the super <laughs> j cast with all our pure uh, official professional content we put out each and every week well, right. But here's the thing. When we do our interviews, and they're
0: rare, we don't really have wrestler interviews. I don't think we've ever done a wrestler interview. I mean, we've had Kevin Kelly on, and he's been awesome. Uh, but aside from that, I mean, we've had, you know, we've, I'd rather hear from people in the mix as opposed to, again, I, my, my biggest gripe is, what, what, what is a wrestler going to tell me? that you know? you know what I always hear from wrestlers? Um, they, they're not going to tell me anything. Because they don't know anything Like they just show up And they're like Oh okay This is what we're doing tonight Like they're not gonna give me Any future plans And booking plans Like yeah hey, You're getting the title In Dominion I have f- no fucking idea <laughs> uh, I remember I remember one time talking uh, I forget who, exactly who, who, who did we talk to uh, It wasn't Elgin um, It was I forget Who the fuck Who did we do To have this conversation with I can't believe I can't remember but it was G1, um, and we were talking you know, about hey, – you, you, uh, it was me. I was, I was, I was uh, texting back and forth. It was like texting back and forth because I was in my hotel room. Um, I don't fucking remember. Um, and maybe I just don't want to <laughs> dime the person out. <laughs> um, um, anyway, they don't know. They, they have no fucking idea. Um, who's winning and who's losing until they fucking show up. Anywho, um, yeah, maybe we get that done. Um, anything else going on in the, in the wacky world of pro wrestling?
1: That was all the news. Um, I mean, I've got less than 50 minutes before I need to have a work meeting. So right. maybe we do uh, an abbreviated Version of the Super J classic watch along. I think it's which, okay. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I hope, I hope won't be going on for much longer, Damon. Not that I've not enjoyed it, but it would be nice to talk about yeah. some fresh wrestling again. But here we go. So, uh, April 21st, 1983, in the Kurame Kan uh, the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship finals between Tiger Mask, the first Tiger Mask, uh, Satoru Sayama, and Dynamite Kid. So, our resident historian Manabu, who's now on Twitter, you can follow him at SJManabu to get his brilliant historical context. This match actually happened eight times, uh, most of them are in New Japan World, and Manabu has provided links to all of those, and as we know, it's one of the biggest rivalries in New Japan history, uh, best opponents for each other, and you, know, you could argue a blueprint for the Golden Lovers, just with the kind of synergy that they've got, so... Uh, this was—I haven't seen too many Sayama matches. I saw one with uh, Steve Wright, which I thought was tremendous, but it, you know, wasn't showing Sayama at his absolute best. But this match certainly was. I mean, the speed and the sharpness of the, the execution is quite remarkable for a match in the early '80s. You know, even in the opening exchanges, like there's that real snap to everything, a real crispness, and it's just. So thrilling to watch Sayama, is a guy who's really acrobatic, timing spot on, and the little punctuation marks throughout the match, like uh, there's a bit where he drills Dynamite Kid at the face with the savat kick, or uh, when Dynamite Kid kips up after an exchange. You get all these beautiful sequences that end with a little flourish and a huge crowd pop. And Sayama, he's not just flips, you know, his striking is hard, his moves look painful, and he's got a bit of swagger. He's got a bit of arrogance to him as well. Like a mm-hmm. bit earlier when he, he faints with a planter and spins around and stands in the ring looking all supreme. Um, and I thought Dynamite Kid was terrific here as well. Great selling. Good screams. You know, it's not. It's a, a difficult act to be able to scream and sell an injury in a convincing way. But I thought Dynamite Kid was very good at screaming. And you know, this is, this is nearly <laughs> 40 years ago. And it's still great there's it, it, like a, oh, yeah. a, a reckless kind of dangerous edge to the match when they start flinging themselves around and flinging each other out of the ring over the guardrails. A, a little bit confusing because the bell keeps ringing it seems like the match keeps stopping and restarting so i couldn't really follow what was going on there and dynamite kid grabbed the mic and was saying something and, and then he goes mental at the end <laughs> he's got a broken glass bottle he's head-biting the ref you know bringing the 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 full glory of uh, British fighting to this wonderful wrestling match, but uh, yeah, definitely one that I think all fans—it's a must, isn't it—for New Japan first to go back and watch stuff like this. Yeah, it is. It's it's a
0: staple. It's it's a cornerstone. Um, you know, but think back at that time, how absolutely crazy revolutionary that was. And truth be told, I know there was a huge. I'll say huge, uh, portion of pro wrestling fandom that looked at, you know, at that as kind of like the, you know, the modern day equivalent of Jim Cornette running on a podcast over, you know, the Bucks and Kenny Omega, um, that it was exposing the business and that it was, uh, you know, too much flash and not enough substance and, how can you how can you work a style like that? It, so you know that those arguments throughout the years um, are are not you know right now it's it's not like these are new arguments. Um, they've always been there, but see where we are. You know I, 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 I would I would dare to say that Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid matches influenced pro wrestling and pro wrestlers more than it hurt business right um at the time tiger mask was so fucking popular um as a, as a merch seller and 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 as a kids icon and and even as a wrestling fan icon uh, and dynamite kid as well um so yeah they are they are much wa- must watches um they are matches that that changed the way that junior heavyweights work and they are and, and even heavyweights to a to a certain degree because they would look at those matches and be like, well, what the fuck do I have to do to top that shit? Um, Sayama was 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 I don't think there was anyone in the ring that was faster. Like the speed in which he did things, uh, and the lightness and the fluidity and the um Just this, as you described it, the snap, like I've yet to see anybody match that in, in ring, even, even today. And I watch it and I'm just blown away by what he can do and how quickly he can do it. Uh, And Dynamite Kid is, I don't want to say underrated, Joel, but what a fucking worker that guy is. Like, and Every match, he's doing these dangerous spots. And look, let's, let's also be truthful if we're, if we're going down that road. Style did a lot to, to, to really bang up that body, right? That, the, he is the blueprint of you're taking years off your career, working that style. Um, but if we're talking about legendary matches and cornerstone matches for New Japan Pro Wrestling, um those are those are much wa- must watches um, and this is a fun match and a great match uh, but yeah it, it, revolutionary yes groundbreaking absolutely still holds up to this day i, I, I really think so
1: all right well from one legend to another <laughs> oh, oh sorry, no. I- what's happening <laughs> <laughs> oh, every- I- oh no uh, okay, hold it a second. Hold on. <laughs>
0: yep, 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 yep. What? We're, we're gonna... Can you take... Why are you listening to her crying? Yeah, I can
1: hear her crying, honey. That's why I'm picking her up now. She's with me. Little baby. Is okay? She's okay. <laughs> oh,
0: my Lord. Oh. The life of a podcaster, I tell you. The life of a of an uh, internationally... Uh, re- renowned is that the word I'm looking for. Podcaster Joel, uh, baby duties never stop. Daddy duties never stop. All After right, Joel. we're back. That's all right. We're just talking about talking with friends about uh, how how uh, daddy duties never stop. And <sighs> even though we're in in the midst of a of a the world's most popular podcast. Period. <laughs> uh, daddy duties don't stop. And and. And you have responsibilities, and um, Mally will make sure you're reminded
1: of that. <laughs> Absolutely will. <laughs> All right, so our next match then was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship with Naoki Sano versus Jushin Tan from January 31st, 1990, in the Osaka Prefectural Gymnasium. So again, we go to our historian, Manabu. <laughs> In 1984, K. T. Yamada and Naoki Sano had debut matches with different opponents at exactly the same date, March the third, in Korakuen. And the next year, in the first Young Line Cup, uh, the final was Yamada versus Shunji Kosugi. Sano went on excursion to Mexico, and Yamada went on excursion to England and Canada. So, as we all know, Liger was a character of uh, comics and animation. So, New Japan had a connection with the author Go Nagai. So. There was another uh, tie-up with the animations there. So Naki Sano came back to Japan in 89. New Japan ran the first Tokyo Dome show in the same year, and he had a match against Hiro Saito. And Manabu provides links to all these matches, so really, really useful to check out these threads. And in the same show, we had Liger's debut match as well. Uh, Liger challenged for the junior title the next month, uh, but actually Liger was not very popular at first. So we already had seen Sayama, the first Tiger Mask, but Liger struggled uh, he was constantly being compared to Sayama. But he finally found his own way with Naoki Sano, who's arguably his best opponent. As I went back and listened to episode one of Thunderstruck, which was WH Park's excellent podcast series about Jiu-Jitsu on post-wrestling, uh, which featured yourself, Damon, talking about this match. So if you want yeah. more uh blow by blow details of this match i strongly recommend you check out episode one of thunderstruck and you talked a lot about your history tape trading and you know seeing these matches in the wrong order and getting confused about that um and like this is i believe this is the first time you'd seen the the liga gimmick so yeah. uh yeah this was a really interesting match because we had a Liger winning a mini tournament to get this rematch after losing the belt to Sando. Who's obviously an important person in Liger's career, as we saw he was Liger's partner for his retirement match against Hiromu and Ryu Lee. And uh, interestingly, they picked this match to have English commentary with Kevin Kelly and Gino Gambino on New Japan World, so you've got the option if you want it in Japanese or English. And yeah, it's a, a terrific match. Um, the just moments that stand out, like the slap from Liger at the start when Sano offers the handshake, and again, I'll, I'll continue my. Historical deep dive into the response to pile drivers. You get a power driver from Sano and Liger on the floor, no reaction. Spike two stone power driver in the ring, no reaction. Uh, but with some really iconic moments here with Sano tearing a, a massive hole in Liger's mask, and there's blood everywhere. And, and they're doing Boston crabs on each other because they're in the dojo together. So just incredible visuals of this you know, blood-stained Liger with his mask literally hanging off his neck, flinging himself out of the ring, over the barricade, and, and just seeing a, a fired-up, pissed-off, athletic, high-flying Liger is very unique, very special for someone like myself who came to the table quite late. So, I, I, again, I think it's unique as well to get this kind of bloody uh feud uh, it feels like a grudge match in the junior division it's not really something we're used to and it holds up incredibly well for a contemporary viewer they know each other well they know each other's moves countering each other's moves it's it's a deeply deeply personal match it, that it feels like it goes deeper than the junior heavyweight title itself Sano's being a prick uh, like a winning with a shooting star press and the announcers mentioning God oh, Yamada, which I thought was really interesting, and post match very angry like he storms off without the belt. You know, kind of has you questioning the mask ripping, the blood. You know, was it a shoot? Was it a work? I mean, it, it and like you mentioned on Thunderstruck, it feels like one of those territory style endings where he's you know he's beating his rival and he's out leaving the belt and that's the end of that chapter. Uh, this also won the Wrestling Observer Match of the Year, so. Uh, a match you have talked plenty about, Damon. Let's you know revisit it. Give, give us your thoughts on the match and your history with it.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, I've seen this match
0: countless times. Um, it's it it's in the top five of of Damon's favorite wrestling matches of all time. Um, it is the first match that uh, where I saw the Liger gimmick. You know, with with the as Joel described the tape trading. You know, you didn't get them sequentially you got them as you got them um and everyone raved about this particular match and so it was you know if, if somebody had this you got that tape um yeah the the uh, it the feud was brewing for a while um and they traded that IWGP junior title back and forth um but yeah it it was a, a situation where it felt like there was more to it than just the the title. Liger kind of had to fight his way back to get to that match um, and beat some junior heavyweights to kind of get back into contention. Um, and and there was, you know, if you go back even further with this feud, I mean, this was kind of like the blow off and and the final match between the two, you know, in this series. But even before that, they're, you know, with, with Sano winning the belt and there's always been that little edge. It, you know, it's not like it's always been uh, steamboat and uh, uh, steamboat flair is a bad example, but maybe it's a good example uh, of guys who respect each other, who uh, push themselves competitively, but there is something about the, the dynamic that they push each other's buttons too. Um, and I, I kind of felt that as well. Um, of course, iconic in the sense that um, Liger brings back the Shooting Star Press. It, it's, it was a move that you know it wasn't like he constantly did that. It was kind of like his, um, you know, when when he when he pulls that out of of his arsenal, we're done. Right? Match is over. So I wouldn't even consider it. It, it was his finisher. It was his. Okay, exclamation point finisher. We're, we're, you, you, nobody, you're not kicking out of this fucking thing. Very similar to what we saw with Naito at the Dome this year, right? Stardust Press. Um, which I got it kicked out of. Well, right, but good point. But you get my point. Um, the mask being ripped off, right? It's weird because you did see that a lot. More than you would think, you would see it when it comes to masks and pro wrestlers. Um, and again, we joke about El Samurai being the one guy. It seems like every fucking big match, that dude's got his mask hanging off his head. Uh, but it, it, the visual, the blood, the mask ha- hanging half off, like like the fucking first Spider-Man movie. Uh, the, the you know the 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 definite heat between the two. The shooting star press and Liger winning the title. Um it's what would you say it's maybe 12 minutes, 15 minutes at most. Um but it's just a great spectacular pro wrestling match that um capped off a, a great feud. Um and like I said, it was the first match for me that 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 brought Liger and and the gimmick of Liger, live in person, well not live in person, but at least live on VHS videotape. Uh, To me, after seeing him years, uh, you know, kind of in that young lion mode as Kichi Yamada.
1: Our next match was Izuka and Nagata versus Kawada and Fuchi from the year 2000. It's uh, December the 14th. So it's New Japan versus All Japan's Strongest Tag Battle. So the context from Manabu, he's zoned in on Izuka himself. So a bit of history for Izuka. So his name, Takayuki Izuka, joined New Japan in 1986. He and Hiroshi Hase were sent to Russia to be trained in Sambo in 1988. Next year, he had a mixed martial arts match in osaka Joe Hall. And Links to all this stuff is on Manabu's Twitter, at S J Manabu. He was chosen as Ricky Choshu's tag partner when Choshu challenged for the tag- IWGP Tag Team titles. It was a huge selection because he was just a young boy at the time, and surprisingly, he was able to take the title in 1989. He was chosen as Fujinami's tag partner, too, and appeared on WCW in 1992, and their opponents were the Steiner brothers. After that, he appealed to challenge the three musketeers. And although he lost to all of them, he showed potential to, for being a future star. But unfortunately, his personality was too mild to be a big pro wrestler, especially in New Japan. So he struggled with a lack of fighting spirit in his personality for years. And suddenly he was given a big chance in 2000, where we had Hashimoto versus Ogawa, was a huge program at the time. And Izuku was chosen as Hashimoto's tag partner for the match against Ogawa in the Tokyo Dome. It was Ogawa Murakami. So in 2000, he was in the spotlight, he challenged for Kensuke Sasaki's IWGP title, and in the G1, the reputation of his match against Nagata was quite good, and he and Nagata became a tag team and took uh, the G1 Tag League, and after that they faced All Japan Tag Team Kawada and Fuchi, because this was a a really interesting time, a very uh, difficult, turbulent time for All Japan, because in January '99. Their All Japan founder and promoter, Giant Baba, died and left the company in the hands of his his widow, Motoko Baba, as the owner, and Misawa was the president, but Misawa became uh, disheartened with Motoko's proposed direction for the company. So Misawa left All Japan in May in 2000 to form Pro Wrestling Noah and took basically most of the roster with him, apart from two uh, native stars, which was... Uh, uh, Masanobu Fuji and Toshiaki Kawada, who were in this match, and two gaijin, which was Stan Hansen and Taiokaea. So, everyone else, apart from those four guys, followed Misawa out of the company. So, yeah. uh, a really rough time for All Japan. And they, uh, if I've got this right, Damon, they were leaning quite heavily on New Japan for support. So, that year saw a lot of cross promotion with New Japan, uh, particularly involving. Kawada, who you know we've spoken about before, you know he's one of my favourite favourite guys, like favourite non-Japan guys, and, and like he really feels like the big star in this match because he beaten uh, the the IWGP Champion Kensuke Sasaki in a non-title match at, in October of this year at the Tokyo Dome, where afterwards Sasaki was so disgraced that he vacated the title, uh, and so this tag match we're about to talk about came a couple of months after that match where. Uh, Kawada had you know turned up and thrown a wrench into the title scene of New Japan and you know of course they face off again uh, on January 4th 2001 at the Dome for the title uh, this time uh, in a match that we reviewed on a previous episode so uh, New Japan needed to keep Kawada strong even though he was uh, an All Japan wrestler so that you know set the table for this match which uh, I mean my favorite parts of it are the Kawada and Nagata interactions, because that feels like a dream match. It happened once in the 2008 G1 in the B block, uh, along with guys like Goto, Nakamura, Yutaka Yoshi, Toriyano, Hiryoshi Tenzan, but it didn't live up to the hype at that point. You know, I think it was maybe past both guys' primes. But I think this match is great. It's like a blueprint for a great inter-promotional main event. So there's a lot of talk about maybe having a, a big you know, dream a, uh, show a co-promoted show with all the different companies in Japan getting together and doing something, and this could be the sort of thing they do. Like I think you can do uh, a thirty-minute draw that sends the fans home happy. And yeah, this is just terrific to watch. They, they we we have dueling submissions with uh, Nagata doing his his leg lock and Kawada obviously with a stretch plum. And just looking at Izuka, he's almost unrecognisable as this fiery yeah. underdog babyface in peril. And he's paired off with the veteran Fujis, you know, been an absolute dick and beating him up for most of the match. And Nagata's struggling to get the hot tag over and over again. And just a really great finish with the time limit expiring as Nagata and Kawada just teeing off on each other, exchanging leg kicks, slaps, high kicks. And yeah, just a really, really fun tag match to watch. Yeah.
0: You know, when you look back in history of um uh, you know when promotions invade or wrestlers, you know, show up at a at a at a rival promotion, you know, the excitement level is pretty much through the roof, right? Uh, because you do have the opportunity and the idea of, of, of dream matches occurring. The in hindsight though, <laughs> and and then looking back, you you know it's that you know, it means that The promotions in a little bit of trouble, right? Uh, And you know, even though from from a pro wrestling uh, in front of the curtain point of view, it's exciting and it's fun and it's and again dream matches and and the idea of guys working together that you never thought would happen occur behind the curtain. um, It it's almost if this doesn't work, it's it's almost a desperation move. Right. um and the last legs. And you saw that with you know UWF and UWFI and war and uh even now here right, with all Japan. And yeah, uh you're right. Misawa I like, g I don't wanna you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna shit on the relationship that he might have had uh with the misses. But it was always kind of explained and, and written as Baba being the good cop and her being the bad cop when it came to the promotion. And you were left with the bad cop <laughs> only who might not have been the best at at dealing with the talent and might not have been best with dealing with the business partners um, because, again, she had a role to play for years. Um. And now that's you. You don't have that dynamic. <laughs> it's it's all bad cop uh, because that's all she knew. Um, I I like this match a lot, um, and I liked it for the for very much the same reasons you did, um, and I think I like it more now in hindsight because of what I know Kawada was able to do in his career with All Japan and and appreciate it more. Um, But even more so with Yuji Nagata. Um, And to be able to appreciate both of those guys um, and be able to look back over their careers on this match, because that's really what I was thinking about most. And I don't know if it truly resonated with me at the time. It it more felt like, again, an invasion angle or a... um, you know what we've seen in the past with New Japan, but it, but it wasn't. I don't know if I had the full appreciation for what these guys were and what they've accomplished and all of that. It was just more along the lines of, "Oh, this is a great dream match." So, uh, in that sense, uh, I'm kind of glad that you did pick this. One. You picked this one um, because it it did kind of open my eyes a little bit to what both of those guys were able to accomplish. Um uh, even though this, you know, as we know now, uh the handwriting was on the wall for what New Japan excuse me, for what all Japan was, um and and where it is right now, where it is it is a, a company that certainly is not of its past glory, um and you know, dare I say is not really a major player as it once was
1: last match we are looking at is on October the 8th in 2012 at Tsumohori Kokugikan. it's the IWGP heavyweight championship match between Hiroshi Tanahashi and Minoru Suzuki and these are two guys who just have incredible chemistry it it seems that they create magic every time they get in the ring they they had a pair of matches in 2018 that I loved the uh, new beginning intercontinental title match with uh, Suzuki destroying Tanahashi's knee and they also had a G1 sprint the same year, which I loved. And back to 2012, they had three matches this year. So the Wrestle Kingdom main event and then a G1 match. So the Wrestle Kingdom main event Tanahashi won, and the G1 match that Suzuki won, so this was the rubber match. So I mean even the entrances with this statement were enjoyable for me, you know, hearing both pe- both guys' old themes and really set the stage and just a great contrast of presentation between the two with sort of Suzuki as the you know, with a towel over his head looking like the dangerous shooter and then Tanahashi coming out with his flashy entrance and his robe and his air guitar and looking all cocksure. And so for Tanahashi, he'd lost the title to Okada in February earlier in the year with the the big Rainmaker shot, but won it back at Dominion and he defended it against Makabe, Masato Tanaka and Marafuji uh, before this match and uh, went on to defend against Yujiro Takahashi at Power Struggle before Wrestle Kingdom 7, which I thought was funny, having a IWGP heavyweight title challenger, Yujiro. And Suzuki just looks very thick here. He's looking very wide, and Tanahashi's just being an absolute twat. Early on in the match, he's got Suzuki in the octopus stretch, and he starts playing the air guitar on Suzuki's belly, and the crowd is shitting all over him. It's so good, and just immediately changes the dynamics of the match and makes suzuki the baby face which is a really weird but very effective move and the match turns on tanahashi hit the dragon screw on suzuki's knee and the the selling from suzuki is just brilliant like from that point on and it's not something you typically associate with Miro suzuki but he puts on a masterclass here he tries to grit his teeth and and power through it without you know doing over the top ah my knee my knee selling And it just makes him really sympathetic because it's kind of understated, like how, you know, a normal human being might try and sort of grit their teeth and and puff their cheeks out and power through an injury like that. And and it shows like a real uh, stubbornness. You know, he's kicking Tanahashi with the injured leg just to spite him. Uh, He's going after Tanahashi's taped elbow. He's tearing the tape off with his teeth. Uh, there's a great moment with Tanahashi gets Suzuki in the figure four leg lock and they're, they're just screaming at each other, Suzuki's roaring in defiance, he does such a good job selling this that there's a huge cheer when he gets the rope break. Uh, my favourite moment is a little one but there, there's a bit where Tanahashi goes for the sling blades and Suzuki ducks and then he's desperately limping towards the ropes to try and protect himself and escape danger and it makes you feel really sorry for him. But then at like one second later, he, he runs across the ring, nails Tanahashi with a drop kick and starts hammering his own knee, firing himself up for the comeback. It's, it's incredibly dramatic. And then at the end, Suzuki's just slapping the shit out of Tanahashi with these big open hand slaps and Tanahashi's mouth is bloodied up. And, you know, even though Suzuki loses in the end, just seeing him take... the the arrogant Tanahashi down several pegs is really enjoyable because, you you know, you see early on Tanahashi underestimates him and Suzuki fucks him up as a result and, you know, Tanahashi's got his back to the wall. He's got, he has to go go back to going after Suzuki's knee and, you know, an arguably dishonorable tactic to finally squeak out the victory here. So this match is just an absolute tour de force from Minoru Suzuki. Even though he doesn't win, this is just everything that I love about him. Do you think that that Suzuki
0: gets underrated for being um a, a, an opponent for tanahashi like if you go through tanahashi's list of of great opponents everybody talks about Okada I mean the, 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 uh, but do you think that if you were to the lineup matches that Suzuki should be placed higher in um best opponents for tanahashi
1: I would need to watch the Wrestle Kingdom six match, and I would need to watch their G one match that year. But the other three mm. matches of theirs that I have seen, I've absolutely loved. So I'm inclined to say yes with yeah. the, the limited information I have. That Wrestle Kingdom match is fucking fantastic. That might, you know, if we're doing another
0: watch along, that that might be on the list. Um, yeah, I, I I think they have such a great dynamic together. I really enjoy their matches for all the reasons that you said. It doesn't feel like anything's over the top. They do play different sides of the coin. Where where almost Suzuki in this match is that sympathetic babyface at certain points, uh, and Tanahashi. We we talk about it. Some of the best moments of a, of a well-rounded babyface. Some of the best things that they do is when they give you a little bit of the other side of the coin, and they and they then they are a little bit of a dick, and they are a little bit of a of a, of a of a guy that that's willing to do things to win that normally they wouldn't. Um, that is almost always enjoyable, uh, for, from a, from a good baby face. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think this match, but, but and and now just on the matches that you've seen, do you think that this one feels like a different dynamic in, in, in that, Suzuki kind of again played almost like a sympathetic baby face at certain points in this match.
1: Yeah, if you compare it to the new beginning 2018 match, it is like literally the exact opposite. Where in right. the 2018 match, it's Suzuki is the bad guy destroying Tanahashi's knee and Tanahashi eventually like passing out from the pain. So it's a complete mirror image of that match, right? And to be able to
0: pull it off, I mean, you know, it's one thing just to, to sit there on paper and say, okay, let's let's give this a shot. To be able to do that, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, to have the, 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 the psychology know-how to be able to pull that off in front of a live audience. Like they're there to, to, to get that reaction that, that, you know, that they're trying to get and, and that's a difficult thing to do, um. so you know, if if every you know of uh, all the things that they're able to accomplish in the, in their careers, just just take that little nugget and think of how they they were able to manipulate a crowd in real time with what they're doing in the ring um, to 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 pull that reaction from fans, right? That's an amazing pro wrestler to be able to pull that off, um, and then again have those different matches at the same time. So, yep. I uh, love this one but yeah uh, like I said if, if you want to kind of complete that arc uh, absolutely the Wrestle Kingdom match has got to be on a, on a must watch because I enjoyed that one tremendously
1: alright let's do a few questions then discord uh, loose explosion fuck so wild <laughs> wild ideas here I wasn't opposed to both G1 and Best of Super Juniors being held at the same time which would be absolute insanity here's possibly more realistic question would guys be opposed if New Japan couldn't fill out the card with foreign wrestlers for a G1, bring in other wrestlers from other Japanese companies. I feel that might do everyone a little good if need be. I mean, I like the idea. They did it in 2016 with uh, the Noah wrestlers, with uh, Nakajima and um, Marafuji. So do yeah. you think that could be a possibility for this year's G1 if you're not able to have all your foreign stars returning?
0: I mean, it's a possibility. It's
1: Again, they,
0: they had a little bit more of
1: a um,
0: business relationship with Noah than... Um, they do now, but again, it's, it's a weird time. <laughs> let's, let's put it this way. Stranger things have fucking happened this year. Uh, I think they'll have enough to fill out the, the rosters. Um, I think that they'll, they'll be proactive enough in getting people into the country that, that need to get into the country. Um, uh, hopefully by that time, uh, travel restrictions will be a little bit more relaxed. I know you're kind of hoping that too, Joel. Um, so, to answer the question, it's, I think it's on the table, but I don't think it's something that they're planning on doing.
1: Jacob says, I've been watching All Japan 90s. I've got to where Hase joins All Japan. Have you got any particular memories of him? Oh, my God.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, truth be told, most of them are, are his early 90s run in New Japan, mind you, but it's it's – Um, I should probably go back and watch a lot more of the, of the, of him in, in all Japan, honestly. Um, he was, he was, he was just really good. (laughs) I hate to be vague and all, but yeah, that, that was, he was really good. Uh, that was, that's probably the, the, the most lukewarm take of any human being could possibly have on a pro wrestler. He was really good. Uh, no, but uh, at, at the very least he can. Uh, that that at least a question helped inspire me to go back and rewatch some stuff. So, um, yeah, most of my stuff kind of centers around the New Japan stuff.
1: Okay, let's dig into Twitter. Some other questions here from the Keeping It Strong star guys. Take one guy from the '80s and one guy from the '90s who fits like a glove with current. New Japan uh, 80s <laughs> they keep it, You know what the gimmick here is Is that
0: They're asking questions Of questions that Like one time They they were They were looking for questions And I was like ah, I'll throw a couple questions <laughs> these, are the, these are the exact same questions I gave them Like they gave me a question of uh, What was more impactful Choshu's kick or uh, That was my question
1: That I gave to them Ah uh, right So they just copy <laughs> Pasting your question Yeah, yeah, back yeah they're giving me You want to hear mine Yeah Yeah Uh, So what's the question? I'm sorry, Joel. All right, so take one guy from the 80s and one guy from the 90s who fits like a glove with current New Japan. Well, Sayama, you know, he's a guy we've been talking, he would be a guy I would pick from the 80s. One of the all-time greats. 90s? Mm. To go back in time? Yeah, to put into current New Japan. mm, mm, I'm not sure. Hashimoto. I think he'd be a good fit and a, a different look. In modern-day New Japan, so Sayama and Hashimoto would be my two picks.
0: I would go Muda, like prime young Muda, unbanged-up knee Muda, uh, and uh, '80s. Who would fit like a glove? Hmm. 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 I'm not gonna say Yamada. That's 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 cheap. Um. Can I say Nobuhiko Takada? Oh yeah, that's a
1: big
0: like glove.
1: I think he would fit like a fucking glove. Um, so I might go that route. Dynamite Scott says we had three big retirement ceremonies already this year. With the pandemic, it's possible more to come due to age or health concerns. Who are most likely to hang up the boots? I mean, I guess you're mm. looking at Tenzan. He yeah. would be next on the list, wouldn't he? Probably at the top. If you know, if you're looking at the dads, Nakanishi's retired. So, I think Nagata and Kojima can still go. Tenzab will be the next one, and, and Honma as well at some point in the not too distant future. I was going to
0: say that, yeah, you know, of of Chu, I think those two might be the ones that are like, okay, time, you know, every day that we're not wrestling is another day closer to when I should be uh, hanging them up. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those two.
1: Uh, Bash says, question, favourite game soundtracks for Joel? Mine are Street Fighter 2, Streets of Rage 1, 2 and 4, also Grand Theft Auto series. Uh, Streets of Rage 2 is an all-time great soundtrack. I mean, Yuzo Koshiro is one of the greats when it comes to video game soundtracks. I'd have to look, actually, because my <laughs> my iTunes music library is chock full of video game soundtracks. Um, just scrolling through it, stuff I've been... Listened to recently, I think the Hollow Knight soundtrack is really good. Shovel Knight, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, chip tunes, kind of late '80s, early '90s style. NES retro stuff that's really cool. Uh, it depends what kind of mood I'm in as well. Um, I might come back to that one. I want to make a proper list and, and answer that question properly. Um, all right, I, wanna, I, I, I got, got an answer. Time?
0: I got an answer to this one. Yeah, I can get in. How about Tech Mobile? Don't Do you remember one. Tech Mobile? It's a football game uh but it was it's classic it, it, you know the the biggest classic uh joke about it is a bo jackson just destroys everybody like like if you, if you pick bo jackson or the raiders on your team you you fucking dominated that game you could you could run end to end seven times and nobody touch it um but this like it's just uh i don't know just I, I couldn't do it in my head but um i just remember tech mobile a lot so maybe i, I would go that route
1: we have a question from Biss says, he says, any memories of Akira, Akira Nogami in New Japan? His prime is kind of a blind spot for me. I've been watching more yeah. of that time period catching up. Koji Kanemoto and Jushin Liga versus Akira, and Heat was extremely enjoyable. Any memories Heat. of his rivalry with Kanemoto?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that's, these are these are kind of names, Akira and um, Heat, uh, even like, uh, what, Kendo Kashin, uh, um, uh, those are kind of like the lost years of the juniors. Um, 2000s area. I think most people know Akira Nagomi as the guy who um, was in the dome on one of the Star shows against Liger. That was the one where Liger had the green and yellow outfit. Um,. Yeah, and wasn't Akira Nagomi also in this tag team? I think it was called JJ Jacks. I want to say Double J Jacks. Um, he was a guy that was kind of mid car guy to me. Um, it, like he never felt like he he made a next level. Um, he was good. I wouldn't say great. But yeah, those. Like going back and watching it, Heat. Uh uh. Yeah, that's kinda like when Liger was starting to get phased out a little bit. Still in the mix. Um. But yeah, that's a time where we where, where people don't really talk a lot about. That's pretty weird. Maybe we do a rewatch of a heat match. Uh cage match, I'll pick one. Yeah, that might be that might be fun. Um uh, yeah, because that's stuff that again kind of gets that gets pushed under the carpet when it comes to uh, the junior heavyweights. But good job, yeah, yeah. Akira Nagomi was good. I can't say great, um, but he was like a, a, a solid mid. Like, like um, I was going to say somebody else, but I don't even think that's a good comparison. I'll leave it at, at solid mid card guy.
1: Uh, Dad Bot God says, what's the first thing you want to do when all restrictions are removed? um i miss things like being in a crowded pub watching a football match yeah. just that you know the sense of being packed together it's a it's a little one but one that i miss yeah i
0: like i said I, I think i talked about it last week i miss looking forward to things that's that's what that's that's what i miss the most i miss looking forward to things okay, um uh,
1: that's it yeah uh, Lewis says, what happens to gaming, Damon? I can't remember if he finished Shadow of the Colossus or not. <laughs> well, no, I, I've never finished the, it
0: because it's intimidated me and it has totally fucked up my psyche uh, to, to, to defeat. So I have not jumped back in. But gaming Damon is uh, – he's alive and well. Uh, the uh, The Pro Wrestling Booking Simulator, TEW – I am all in. I have a a, a, a real-world mod that I'm actually playing right now. It's it, – it's uh I forget the name of it, but it's um, it has different stars from different eras all into one. So like if there was some magical thing where Lutheas could fucking be in with Magnum TA um, at their prime. So that's what I'm doing right now. So I'm kind of running an NWA. Uh, I'm actually looking at my roster right now. In I, I did an Excel spreadsheet, show of all these different stats it's color code it's fucking amazing I'm, I'm really proud of myself but right now i have uh here's my roster right now i have flair dusty terry funk ollie anderson arne anderson dick murdoch harley race tully blanchard ricky steamboat adrian adonis ivan Koloff, magnum ta dick slater wahoo mcdaniel stan lane robert gibson ron bass buzz sawyer barry windham barry windham of course because i gotta hold off from jerking it uh, ricky morton Dory Funk Jr., Don Carnoodle, Manny Fernandez, Randy Rose, Dennis Condry, Tiger Mask Sayama, Sam Houston, Kendall Windham, Ronnie Garvin, and Tommy Rich. That is my current roster right now. Um, and I'm booking shows, and I'm making money, and it's fun. So I've been doing that uh, from a PS4 perspective, Joel. Um uh i just downloaded call of duty world war ii that was like the free game of the month so i just downloaded it yesterday so i'll play that a little bit and i've been playing a lot of the crash bandicoot because it's fun and it's just goofy and it's just drive around in a circle so that's fun uh yakuza i've been playing but not as religiously i haven't really gotten past the part where he's he's now in charge of the child but i haven't jumped back in yet but gaming damon is alive and well
1: Arc White Flame says to either of you: Ever gone trips to the countryside at any points to enjoy the fresh air and views? I love going to the mm-hmm. countryside. Uh, it's a bit trickier for me to do, given that I don't have a car. But when I get the chances, uh, especially in China, I mean there are some really spectacular natural places to go to. Uh, you know, just things like going picking pomelos in the you know the rainy counties nearby uh, in Fujian province where I live, or going to you know the mountains of Guaylin and places like that there's some absolutely stunning uh natural countryside places there what about yourself Damon yeah uh, so what we do
0: is we just get in the car and drive on Saturdays so we'll stop at a a coffee place that does curbside um we'll get we'll fill up and we'll just drive um so we'll go into Pennsylvania and the, the you know mountains that are there and um, North Jersey, and if you go in certain sections of North Jersey, it's really, really awesomely nice. It's not like just all city, um, and even South Jersey. South Jersey's pretty notorious for the farmlands and the fields and and on all that. So, um, yeah, it, that's what we do. So we don't go anywhere. We don't, you know, it's not like we're shopping or we're doing anything like that. We're in a car, driving, listening to music, and yeah. So that's been a big part of of this whole pandemic thing is is actually seeing parts of the state where you know we'll look at each other and be like, have, have you ever been on this road before? And we're like, nope. Well, here we go. Uh, that's, that's that's been pre- that's been a pretty cool thing um, during all this.
1: Anwar Starwin says, if either of you could go back in time but return to the same point you left at prior to the trip during your past for a week, which week and year would it be, and why? I mean, I'm thinking back to recent trips I've had. I, I would love to relive the week I had in New York last year. That was absolutely tremendous. And, you know, the sightseeing we did and the great foods we got to eat. And, you know, meeting up with you and getting to go to that show at Madison Square Garden. I would I'd love to relive that again and again. Um, and my trip to Kansai, to Osaka in 2018 for Dominion not just the Dominion show with that amazing uh, Omega Ricardo main event, but just, we had a a wonderful time visiting places like Kobe and Nara and uh, Kyoto. So that was a really special week for me as well. Uh, Those are two that spring to mind. So what about yourself? Do you have any special weeks that you return to? I mean, just this past one, just this past Wrestle
0: Kingdom one, I thought was so great. Um, You know, and having Cheryl come along for, for the trip, and enjoy that and to see her expressions, um, yeah, that's, that I would pro- I mean, we don't have to go that far. I, I, I would take that week in a heartbeat. Um, I, I think maybe even like the first time I went to London, which was kind of like a dream come true and seeing all like music stuff that, that I've always been, you know, going into Camden and going to the, to like, you know, the good mixer, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and having a beer there, uh, so those kind of things. So I would I would take uh, I would take that. But a lot of t- a lot of those memories focus and center around pro wrestling. So I met some of the my favorite people because of pro wrestling. Um, and you know those Tokyo trips usually center around seeing a lot of those people. And and sometimes it's you know that's the only time you see them all year. So it's it's a that's that that that's good. That's a good thing. Um, how pro wrestling can bring people together.
1: Yeah, it's all a mix of the favorite I'll things, it. isn't it? Like the best wrestling, the best food, the best yep. people, yep. best drinks, drinking, sightseeing yep. and, and it's yeah, it's just a mix of all our favorite things in the world. So, I'm holding on to that hope in my heart that we get to do it again in the not too distant future. I agree 100%. All right, Joel, this was a
0: definitely one of the stranger episodes, but also uh I think one of the the best episodes. And I hope, I hope that feedback is positive only because it gives me hope in humanity. <laughs> um, but um, I appreciate everybody sticking around for the ride. Um, know that. Um, we're, we're a pro wrestling podcast. And, but I think the things that are, that are hitting home closer to us, um, you know, I can hear helicopters every night and I can hear you know, things that you've never heard before um, and I think that these these are things that needed to be said at the beginning of the show and uh, and I wanted our voices to be clear in support um, for everyone who was protesting and everyone who was fighting the good fight Alright
1: so you can visit redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to Give us some money, show some appreciation for us putting this out every week. Uh, Our Discord link is in the show notes if you want to join and chat about all sorts of topics there. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash SuperJCast if you want to get one of our t-shirts. Uh, we sold one last month, David. I've got to give you your $2 for it. Massive thanks to editor Dan, who's also going to get himself $2. Uh, find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to Voices Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Please give us a 5 state review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at TheSuperJCast. Thank you everyone for listening and goodbye.